Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Finding Our Way, our Southridge member podcast uh, designed to give all of us across our locations the inside scoop on things. Uh, I'm joined today by a member of our Board of Elders, uh, Stephen Thompson. Steve, say hi to everybody. Afternoon. Uh, this is your first foray into the world of Finding Our Way podcast. So as a rookie, uh, give all of us a little bit of a window into who you are, uh, professional life, family background, just so that we can get to know you a little bit better. Well, I, uh, I grew up in Vineland, uh, ironically, just down the street from the Vineland site, but I actually never went there. Uh, we now live in Jordan with my wonderful wife, Allison. We have three kids, Claire, Sydney, and Carter, and uh, I'm a teacher when I'm not doing podcasts, uh, phys ed science at Eden High School. I love sports. Basketball is my thing before it became popular, even with the Raptors. <laughs> um, love the outdoors. There's a creative side of me as well. Um, and we've been attending Southridge ever since uh, we've been married. So that's like uh, 100 million years, it feels like. That was going to be I mean, the next question. Yeah, yeah. I mean, how, how not did the you, marriage is bad. Right? How, did you, how did you end up at the church? You kind of married into it, correct? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Allison had gone there as a child, uh, grew up in the church. Uh, when we got married, we kind of made a decision that that's where our community was going to be. We had a lot of great friends there and have grown up there as a family ever since. And then a number of years ago, uh, you ended up being part of what we're into right now by completion. We're, we're finishing up an eldership appointment process. And so you found yourself in one of these way back when. Uh, talk about that journey and how you ended up on the board at Southridge. Well, Jeff, that's your fault, I think, uh, from bugging me for a bunch of years to get on that leadership train. Um, it took me a while to get to the leadership summit, but when I did, I finally sort of understood the the importance of leadership and what it was all about. Um, I mean, that's in, you know a, a process in itself. Um, I think it was 2003 I was nominated uh, by somebody who thought that um, I had something to contribute. Um, I love the church. I love what we stand for what we try to do. And um, I think that my role has been someone who likes to ask questions about the bigger values of the church and uh, or bigger ideas. And uh, they saw that and thought I could do it. And I'm still here. How many years have you been at this? Oh, what? Uh, that's 16. 16. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Plus, it's elders. So it's like dog years, you know, exactly. multiplied by seven. Um while we're talking about just kind of intros, um, as a bit of an intro to the role of elder, and I know we've had entire podcasts on this, uh, what's one thing that comes to your mind, Steve, that uh, you would want our members to know that they might not already know about what it's like to to be an elder or just the role of eldership? Yeah, I know that uh, in a past podcast, Joan talked about the three ideas, the ear to God, um, ear to the ground, and supporting Jeff. Um, if I was to think about that a little more specifically to me, uh, we all have sort of on the board, we have our different strengths, I, I would guess. Um, you know, the idea of being a proofreader, uh, being someone that's uh, always asking a lot of questions. Um, you know, if we have a, a review or a document or um, a, a larger conversation that we're involved with, uh, flipping that stone over a number of times so that we can see whether or not we are on the right track and avoid you know, some groupthink. Um, so ultimately, I, I think my role in life has become the question asker and um, sometimes I ask too many questions, I think, for Jeff's liking. But uh, in the end, um, I think I uh, you know, 
do that well enough that provides some value to the board. Yeah, by way of personal passion, I would see you as someone who just kind kind of wants to wage war on thoughtlessness. And so, you know, Steve is kind of our safeguard to no quick, easy answer on anything. And if you're wondering whether the board just kind of breezes through issues and, you know, rubber stamps or nods their head or whatever, that's that's kind of the one thing that you insist on ensuring doesn't happen. Sometimes even taking positions that you don't necessarily believe in just because you believe more in seeing the debate of multiple sides and perspectives happen to ensure that that thoughtlessness isn't the way that a, a conversation or issue gets processed. So I don't know if we want to say more about that, but... No, um, th- that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Making meetings go longer is kind of your spiritual gift, I would say. <laughs> it's about quality, not quantity. <laughs> it's right? about quality, right? Oh, good. Um, hey, it kind of leads me into why I have you here today, and and that is to to talk about a very important subject in our church and ultimately in our leadership that I think will matter to all of us as members, and that is the issue of accountability. Uh, we're in a season of that right now, and we'll get into that uh, soon, but uh, just by intro, Steve, one of the major roles of the Board of Elders is the provision of accountability, serving as overseers of a ministry that ultimately is run by hundreds and hundreds of volunteers, and those volunteers in different ministry areas on ministry teams and whatnot are equipped by leaders, and many of them equipped by staff leaders, and so we've got this whole kind of support system. We've talked about that before. But in the whole in the whole community across all of our locations, in this whole system of our ministry, um, why is accountability important? Well, there's a few ideas that I guess come to my mind. Um, first of all, well, not necessarily first, but um, the idea of uh, legal or fiduciary responsibility. Uh, we have a budget of over three million dollars. I can't give you the exact number. Um, but in that, there are there are laws that govern our our, our nation and our our um, charitable donation status that we have to um, agree to or 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 see um, put in place. Um, there's the values of our vision and mission of the church that we're trying to make sure that we um, address, make sure that we're on track with those. Uh, the members of the volunteers. Uh, we're accountable to them to make sure that their place and experiences are are, are um, uh, well done, or or that they're healthy uh, and safe, um, and and our employees to make sure that uh, they have a safe work environment, and obviously there's a spiritual responsibility to uh, to God and to the Bible and to the doctrine that we um, are up to uphold, and uh, and hopefully seeing that that doctrine or that that life of Christ that we're trying to um, impart into people. Is, is seen in people more, that uh, people see Jesus through all of that stuff that's going on. It's interesting because, you know, I don't know how many of us have thought about this before, but when it, when it comes to just the church in general, the church at some level is by nature accountable or ought to be because it's not ours, right? The, the, the church ultimately belongs to God not to us. And it's ultimately led by God. And so no matter what kind of level or uh, degree of responsibility and authority you have in human terms, uh, any human leader or any group of human leaders is ultimately accountable to God. So accountability uh, in a faith community is just inherent in uh, just kind of our position in relation to God. 
Then there's the whole other side. And we've talked about this through this, this year in our journey with Jeff Mannion. Uh, I think about the, the, the parable of the talents that, that God as the owner of all things, as the leader and ruler of all things, he's entrusted things to people. And, you know, at a certain time, if not at the end of our one and only life on earth, uh, God is going to ask for kind of a report back on the return on the investment that he made in us. And so just the nature of God himself and then the nature of how God works and relates to us is accountability laden. And so I think from those two perspectives, at least, accountability is a very important part of community life in the way that we relate to each other and especially in uh, the ministry that we steward together as a church. Yeah, and and just further along on that, on the parable of talents, um, you know, everybody has invested with something. And and uh, as the parable goes on, there are people invested with, with small amounts and large amounts. And it wasn't ultimately really what they were invested uh, or what they were entrusted with was uh, how well that they stewarded those things that, that God had given them. Um, uh, you know, I think about, um, but when I think about that personally and, and whether or not I've invested this position or money or, or relationships or whatever, uh, that uh, I'm I'm one of those blessed people that has a lot to invest outside of myself and, and in the church and uh, that's kind of a, a scary scary proposition when um, you have that level of accountability to to a group of believers and to friends and and um, you know friends what else yeah it's cool to think that your life is blessed in certain ways but when you realize from an accountability perspective what you steward all of a sudden that becomes weighty, doesn't it? That that you are actually responsible for these things and to use them for God's purpose for a return on his investment in you. Yeah, there's the other um, parable of the, the rich farmer who, uh, which is a pretty scary idea that basically this guy who had been given so much, uh, you know, thought about uh, what he should do with everything he had. And that was basically to build more storage places and then store more of his blessings rather than, to give those out and yeah, God called it. Yeah. This guy called God calls this guy a fool. Like I know it's maybe not real mean language in our world today, but you know, someone that did not have any wisdom, which is a certainly not the person I would like to yeah, be. Yeah. So today we're going to talk about some of the ways, uh, and especially this season, why we're discussing this. Uh, some of the ways that uh, we as a leadership uh, provide accountability to our ministry, and particularly uh, you guys and gals on our board of elders. So uh, before we get into the, the the accountability you provide to our ministry, though, Steve, let's first of all talk about the accountability you employ with each other as a board of elders. Uh, because in the spirit of follow me as I follow Christ, uh, I think it's cool that first things first— uh, you guys and gals apply accountability to one another. So let's talk about elder accountability and how that happens on an annual basis. Um, at the end of the year, we have a personal survey that we do. Uh, it's a number of questions that we introspectively look at. Um, Effectively a performance review of yeah, sorts, right? Yeah. It's a little different than what the staff would do because we don't have as objective of goals to obtain as as individuals. But um, there, we do this individually, then we are to get with a, a partner or a group of people, depending on, on the number we have on the board, and share those answers with each other. And uh, hopefully that we are, uh, you know, close enough or intentional enough to 
uh, to call each other out on certain things and, and to have, you know, a tougher conversation about uh, the questions and the way we would have answered it. And so you uh, report back yeah, your, your to responses to this kind of questionnaire, this evaluation tool. You meet with another partner elder and report your answers back to someone. Yeah. So first things first, you're accountable in that up close and personal conversation. Then um, I would, uh, we come back um, as a group and we have that uh, conversation as, as a, uh, as a group at the end of the year, we have a, a breakfast and uh, not just report our individual um, thoughts and feelings uh, uh, um, back to the group, but also our understanding of where the board is going and, and, and how we are uh, leading or not leading as a group Um uh, and where the church is headed. Yeah, this has actually become quite a fun conversation for our elders group because it's it's kind of been like a New Year's Eve or New Year's Day type of uh, around that time of year. Uh, have a brunch at, at uh, one of your houses. And then the different pairs or sometimes trios of uh, individual elders that have shared these evaluations with each other uh, kind of report back on one another to the whole collective group. And so this second layer is every elder kind of hearing from every other elder kind of the good, bad, and ugly on how they think that they did this past year and areas that they feel like individually and then collectively as a team uh, we need to improve on before we get into then another layer of conversation. And that is where uh, you guys and gals feel like the church is headed and where where we feel like we need to improve on there. Um, in addition to that, though, uh, it kind of doesn't stop there because every three years uh, we have elder term renewals and in that term renewal process, there's some extra layers of accountability. Can you talk about those? Yeah, we started this a number of years ago because um, because we have three-year terms, but we do not have uh, ending terms. So that uh, that's why I've been on the board for that long. Um, we felt it was important to make sure that if someone was going to renew, that they went through a you know maybe a little more intense kind of process. So this year. I uh, brought along four different people from different uh, communities or different uh, the different communities within our church, Lori Machiel, Lori Warkington, Larry Dick, and Andrea Jagolayonette. Um, for a conversation with Jeff uh, evolving around uh, who I am and how they see me and, and what things that they can see me do differently within the communities or even uh, outside the community that, that I do or don't do. And uh, it's, it's a really interesting question um, or a process because uh, it's not just the introspective look, but you get, you get uh, people who care enough about you to have a, a worthy conversation with you in a public setting. Yeah, and that's, that's more of a three-year perspective to say, hey, here's the elder I've been becoming over this past three years. Here's what I think I do well. Here's what I struggle with. Here's where I think I could improve in the next three-year run. And, you know, similarly, there's some conversation on the church, even on yeah. good, bad, and ugly about the church, what people see, how they feel like we could improve. And so there's kind of a double accountability there. Just a point of clarification, that interview is not just with me. It's also with our board chair, which is uh, relatively important. Uh, and and so that that kind of kicks in that level of accountability. And, and just a bit of a, a side question there. You mentioned that we don't have term limits, meaning we have term lengths of three years, but we don't have limits to the number of terms that an elder can serve in. Can you just talk about the board's current thinking on that and why that is? In um, any other ministry um, place in the church, uh, if we had a, a, a children's ministry pastor, if we have a volunteer with nursery, um, whatever position it is that we have in the church, we don't typically set up 
limitations. We say, oh, hey, you're a great Sunday school teacher, but we only want you to do it for three years. Um, you know, you can work the parking lot very well. You can be in a worship band, but hey, you know, at this point in time, we don't think that you can continue on because... Uh, because of time. Yeah, yeah. Right. So... Um, uh, as board elders, we it takes a long time. So I've been doing this 16 years, and I would tell you, frankly, honestly, probably for the first at least three years, if not four or five, because as the church was growing and, and as I was learning about the role, it's really difficult to understand all of the nuances of the job because it's it's um, it, it's almost nebulous at times, or it's 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 not as specific uh, goal directed as as a as an employment job or an, an outcome, and so um, it's uh, but it, it just takes a long time to learn how to do, and and therefore as you learn the role, you become more com- comfortable in the role. Um, it, it's, it's something that we don't say, Hey, Hey, now that you become comfortable, why don't you stay off the board for another three years or something? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a combination really of two ideas. First of all, the, the spiritual gifting and calling in the Bible is not something that is limited to terms in any ministry setting, in any, what we would call body part in the body of Christ. So as you said, like you could play any other role and we want people in their gifts to fulfill their callings. Uh, in certain areas and would never say take a time off uh, just because you've been doing it uh, effectively for a period of time. The other thing, and I would affirm this, is the learning curve. And I hear elder after elder after elder say it was only after their first term that they just got their head around, you know, everything related to governance and everything related to Southridge. You know, the inspiration, connection, action, ministry services, family ministry across three locations. There's a lot going on and it's quite a complicated animal, so to speak. And uh, we wouldn't want to restrict that equity of knowledge and experience just because you've run into a certain uh, number of terms. And so today, anyways, we know there's lots of boards do things differently. And a number of church boards have uh, term limits and we entertain it from time to time. So if you're a member listening across all of our locations and you feel strongly about this, let one of our elders know. We're always talking about it, but that's kind of where we land these days. I just wanted to kind of go down that road. Back to accountability. So uh, we're talking about elders in their term renewal having this extra layer of accountability. And then there's a final layer of elder accountability there. And that is when at our annual general meeting, you share with and are ultimately affirmed in your next three-year term by our membership. Why is that an important layer of accountability? Yeah, and just talk about that first, the you know, the idea that you would get up there and, and be you know, publicly affirmed and, and make a statement to the church about who you are and what you're doing and stuff. Uh, but ultimately, um, that is the single greatest way that the, the church lets the board and the uh, Jeff and the management team understand that, um, uh, that we don't trust you. It's a it's a vote of confidence or non-confidence in what the church is up to. And so this yearly check-in when members come and and can hear this, if there's if there are things that are so egregious or or concerns, uh, this is an opportunity for members to give the ultimate voice of, hey, we're not going to affirm this board member because it represents what the board is doing. And so we uh, take that with great seriousness. I'm not sure how, how whether or not people in the community, understand that, but definitely it's um, it's a point of conversation every year. Yeah, so often at our AGMs, and many of you members know, like these things whistle off in a matter of minutes. 
because often they're quick decisions. And for the most part, uh, quick decisions would be a sign of health. But that check and balance to entrust the final accountability to veto a recommendation, if necessary, of the group that provides all the other accountability really gives our members that final control and responsibility and authority for the life and health and direction of our church. Yes, they're entrusting a board of elders to do that in a day-to-day basis over these three-year terms. But like you said, if something should be egregious or really go awry, the membership at the end of the day is that final accountability. And so even those, even though those are often very quick meetings and quick show of hands, uh, I hope our members appreciate the role that all of you play uh, in the seriousness of this accountability to hold those who hold everyone else accountable, accountable. That's first things first. So now that we've done that and kind of laid the foundation for the accountability of our elders, the accountability of the accountability providers, uh, let's talk about the next layer. And, and Steve, one of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast uh, in early June is because the month of June is kind of an accountability season around here. It's the season where, as a staff, we conduct our employee performance reviews. Basically, in our ministry rhythm, we launch into our ministry season in September, right around back to school season, you know, kind of make a ministry run through the scholastic school year for nine or 10 months, and then start to wind things up in June. And one of the things that we do in June before summer vacation and reloading for the fall uh, is just debriefing things and providing that performance review accountability. So can you describe for us how this annual performance review season actually works with our staff? Yeah, we as board members do not sit in on these meetings specifically, but there would be a um, just like we would do as as board members, the staff go through a personal assessment um, and and identify the work accomplishments and 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 how well they're working with teammates and goals and things like that. Then they meet with their supervisor as a supervisor uh, looks or goes through their work plan. They come up with some agreed upon. Uh, goals to accomplish for the the coming year. Um, And uh, hopefully it is a frank and honest conversation where uh, they are outlined, you know, sort of their successes for the year, their their ways that they can improve, and, uh, you know, what's coming up for the the next ministry season. And uh, you mentioned kind of their work plan or their goals or things like that, that they compare it to. When we conduct these performance reviews, we we try to have them directly linked to the work plan that they established the previous summer that they launched into uh, in September. Why is that so important to look so far back to August and September to the, the work plan and the goal setting when it comes to the month of June in these staff reviews? Um, anybody who wants to achieve great things or move on uh, needs to be able to ha- have a goal that's uh, set in front of them to uh, something that's specific or measurable that's ahead of them. And as um, as they get beyond or get through that season, they can you know, see where they've come from, see how they've improved or not improved. Uh, they can see how, um, you know, the not just them personally, but the ministry has changed. Um, so it's a, not just a measurement of their improvement, but also of, um, um, what's the word I'm looking yeah, for? Progress. Uh, progress or accountability, right? Yeah. Uh, they've been asked to do these things by the supervisor, by the, by the board. Um, and they can look back and say, yeah, you know, I, I have got this done and it's, uh, something they can now, 
um, say that they have cheated. Yeah, and the truth is, I mean, so much changes in a year. And you can forget what those goals were. I mean, I've, I've done this a number of years now and you can sit down in June and, and reflect on your work plan. And, and sometimes if you're not focused during the year, you can forget what you actually aspired to at the beginning of the year. And so just the process of linking the performance review to your work plan by nature is an accountability mechanism, never mind the meeting that a person would have with their supervisor. Now, in addition to that, and we've toyed with this the last couple of years, um, to try to get these conversations really accountable. And you can understand that the challenge when employees are working with their supervisors, because inevitably those are very close relationships, often good friendships, especially in you know God's family, we're brothers and sisters in Christ. So these are very close relationships and sometimes hard to provide that, that, that real kind of uh, firm accountability. We've provided a, a supervisor feedback section where uh, typically we've had some boxes that the supervisor can choose from. Either you met my expectations, you exceeded my expectations, or you didn't meet my expectations. We've actually changed it this year. We've got a, a, a four option uh, kind of configuration this year where a supervisor can say to their, their uh, staff member, I'm either thrilled with your performance I'm pleased with your performance, I'm concerned with your performance, or I'm struggling with your performance. So we've got these, these four options. But in in that just that 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 checking of that box and 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 electing for that category to summarize your feedback, why is that so critical in the supervisor-employee relationship? Um, for me, it's about clarity. Um, if you have a supervisor that's not providing with you a clear um, direct answer to your work, then then you're not living in reality. Um, you know whether or not it's me at my workplace or or even in in relationships with with people. If if you don't have people that speak directly to you about challenges that they're having, um, or in better yet, uh, successes that you're having, if you're not getting clear feedback, then uh, you're not going to understand you know where you're growing or what your weaknesses are. Um, I, I know Henry Cloud, uh, author, talks about being wise. Uh, you know, people are either a wise or they're a fool or evil. And, you know, no one wants to live in that middle ground of being foolish because they don't know what they were supposed to do or, or how they were supposed to change. And uh, hopefully we all want to sort of work towards that and, and be more uh, clear and better at our jobs and, you know, better in relationships. And so that clarity is really, really important. On, on both fronts, like from the employee's perspective, uh, you know, workplace engagement surveys will often tell you that the, the number one thing an employee needs is to know from their supervisor whether they feel they're winning or not. You know, how my supervisor feels about me is one of the most important things an employee needs. And, you know, from the flip side, as a supervisor, one of the hardest things to do, especially when you care about and are in a relationship with someone that you're responsible for in a supervisory way, is to provide them that last two or three percent of the truth. And you mentioned the Henry Cloud idea of wise, foolish and evil people uh, in that talk. He, he frames that and the differentiation between those three groups on how you respond to the light of truth being shone on you. Right. It's all about providing truth and like you said defining reality and i found in in my environments that it's actually that last two or three percent 
that can provide 97, 98% of the impact in the person that you're sharing with. And so from the supervisor perspective, that gets you to that last two to 3% to say, here's what I'm really, really feeling. And on the, the, the employee perspective, well, it just provides you that absolute confidence that you can know, good, bad, or ugly, where you stand with your supervisor. And so there's a huge value in that. And that's the process that we're going to be going through with almost 50 staff uh, over the course of this next month. And so as members who are listening in on this, if you want to pray into that, that would be, uh, that would be really helpful. Um, in addition to that, though, Steve, I, I want to talk about uh, a specific performance review because as our supervisors are providing performance reviews of our staff, and then in a lot of ways, I'm providing the performance reviews for our supervisors. You guys and gals as a board of elders provide the performance review for me. And in addition to this process of me completing it and reflecting and comparing to my work plan, providing that to all of you and us having some back and forth dialogue, um, you guys have kind of created a system to provide a greater degree of accountability. So let's start in, in helping our members understand this system, because I think it's pretty cool. And our members, I know when I've shared this, they found this fascinating. Um, talk about the role that you play, first of all, as we're developing the work plan in the previous summer. Uh, Jeff meets with the leadership team and they construct... Um a, a work plan uh, that uh, revolves around his uh, objectives um, with the church. What's interesting is that, uh, as we have a phrase, uh, so as CEO performance, uh, so is church performance. In other words, uh, Jeff's progress is directly related to the churches. And so as, as the, the leadership team puts together uh, with Jeff this, this um, set of objectives that uh, that they create. Um, the board then looks at this, they review it uh, before a meeting, and then in meeting we we review basically the wording of those and, you know, what's Jeff's thought process to why he's, you know, seeing the church move in this direction or these specific objectives. And therefore we have a better understanding um, and can better uh, feed back on them, even the wording, or, or, or then further provide clarity uh, down the road for our, our evaluating whether or not these objectives have been met. Yeah, so we clarify what this work plan looks like. And as you've said, you know, the, the, the work plan of a first chair leader is essentially the rally cry of the church itself and all the ways the church intends to change. That's what I'm kind of stewarding in my responsibility with our leadership team. And so we do a bit of clarification there on all of the different items of this work plan. But then you guys and gals take that work plan and you do some stuff with it. Talk about that. Well, we have, uh, I know Jeff loves Google Docs, so uh, we set this thing up uh, on a document where all these objectives are on a table, and we're all given 100 points, and we say, hey, of these 15 or 14, whatever it is that particular year, uh, we are given 100 points to award to the importance of any one of these things. So if we think that objective 1A is the most single greatest thing that Jeff could do this this year or help the church move through this year, we can give 100 points to that or some their iteration of. I can give 10 for something or 20 for something, down to five or two or whatever. And so we all do this. And at the end, there is <coughs> a average made for the board's understanding of what, and we can sort of tweak it after uh, after it's all done, but uh, it gives Jeff immediate feedback to what the board feels is the most significant parts of the plan and where he should be spending his time on. 
so we get to set uh, from those objectives that that he has created, we get to set the the most important uh, of those work objectives. Yeah, which is a very interesting process because in this allocation of these hundred points that you talk about, th- there's two levels to it. Because at one level, every individual elder gets to rank this work plan according to their own personal priorities. So as an individual board member senses from God the ways that they'd like to see the church change, they get their individual voice heard through their individual ranking. But then on top of that, because you guys and gals function as a plurality, as a collective leadership, they get averaged. And so then I get to see not only the discrepancies of which which board members liked or preferred which objectives, but then I get to see kind of the cumulative weighted average of each of these. And and, and it creates a lot of great conversations. Yeah, too. it's yeah. a whole meeting, right, to kind yeah. of develop that and, and uh, arrive at some some clarity on that, which is pretty cool because then starting in September, I know which priorities you really, really care about and which you don't care about as much. And, you know, in my position, I can ignore those if I want, but I ignore them to my peril because later on I'm going to be evaluated according to those priorities, not just according to the list of the things on the work plan that I've provided. So let's fast forward now to June, where in a couple of weeks we're going to sit down and you guys and gals will conduct my performance review. Um, talk about the various stages at, at the, the evaluation end. It's kind of funny to talk about something that's so important. It, it, we've gotten to a very objective or formulaic way that this works in that at the end of the ministry season, um, I create a uh, another form online process by which uh, these objectives are, uh, again, put out and the board members can give each of them a score to 10. Uh, these are all then uh, calculated in together and multiplied by the weighting that we gave each of these objectives at the start of the year. And then finally, we can mathematically get down to a single number, which identifies not just uh, what the board believes, that sort of the average number of what the board believes is his score for each of these things, but then uh, you know, related to the weighted value that we assessed them at the start of the year. And uh, so that's kind of a cool mathematical way to look at uh, an objective way of, of uh, scoring his performance. Yeah. Now, of course, there is some dialogue uh, that heads into this. So uh, first things first, I do complete a performance review and I have it kind of organized and summarized around those work plan objectives. So the board at least gets my perspective on the ways in which the church progressed or failed to progress in certain areas. And uh, we meet about that before you guys and gals do your scoring. Uh, just so everyone's kind of clear on what the different terms and and, uh, factors and whatever uh, meant. Uh, But then, again, at an individual level, like you said, you grade every every item out of 10. And then those individual gradings get averaged so that you have a collective score out of 10, objectively, for each work plan item. And then those collective scores out of 10 get weighted by the board's previously established priority weighting. And so, like you said, it it produces an overall score of relative progress according to the board's priorities uh, out of 100. So at the end and end of the day, and I know there's lots of dialogue and encouragement and, uh, you know, conversation and questions and whatnot, that, that we go through. But at the end of the day, the board reduces this down to one number. And just so we're clear, that number is not a hundred, right? That, that number, uh, we've actually had some debate over the last number of years in the, like, 
what what does this number need to be uh, in order to meet expectations versus not meet expectations? And then similarly, what does this number need to be to exceed expectations versus just meet expectations? And so we've had some fun uh, kind of bantering back and forth on what this number means. But I'll tell you from my perspective, to know on the one end, uh, the opinion personally and collectively of the board in what they value as far as the priorities of the church and of our leadership team and our ministries, and then to, to get a sense of their individual and then collective accountability that all boils down to ultimately this number, it, it provides, again, a level of clarity that I think just raw conversation among friends and among brothers and sisters in Christ and among kingdom colleagues that, that just relationship doesn't allow. And so it's it's been pretty cool from that perspective. I guess what I would want our members to know, especially with, with my evaluation in providing that accountability to my role and ultimately to the collective leadership that our leadership team provides to our ministry, is that the voice of the board not only influences the setting of the direction, but they also influence the accountability provided on the stewardship of that direction. And I think from both of those perspectives, both in the summer leading into the ministry launch and in uh, the springtime heading into the summer and another ministry uh, calendar year, uh, the input and the accountability provide uh, two real important steps uh, in the process, wouldn't you say? Yeah, uh as an educator, uh, one of the things I've told my kids and every student that I have is if I don't have a way of objectively measuring you as a student, then I've failed to do my job. Um, if I if I grade you on just some sort of ethereal kind of idea, then, I, then I'm not actually providing any feedback. And what's been great about this process as it's been developed over, over a number of years is that there's clear, definable... Uh, objectives that Jeff is going to meet and and we have clarity about them beforehand and then afterwards as individuals and as groups and uh, in the end I believe that and it speaks Jeff's love language in a sense of providing this language uh, to uh, what he has to get done the love language of clarity <laughs> um and, and yeah, I mean, I, I've talked, like I said, I've talked to a uh, number of members and kind of walked them through this process and they've always been fascinated by it. So I, I thought in June, we'll do a podcast on it so you can kind of walk us through this. And I hope that as, as members, you're encouraged by how much work this board puts in, not just to direction setting, but to the provision of accountability of me and of our senior leadership and of our entire ministry that we ultimately steward on God's behalf. If you're in a place though, where you're sitting there as a member and you're thinking, man, I, I don't I don't know if they do a really good job in that because I, I would have very different feelings either on my performance or the performance of one of our senior leaders or, or whatnot. There actually is an even greater uh, kind of degree of accountability that I think is very important in the life and health of our church. And that is what we often refer to as a board as ear to the ground feedback. Steve, first of all, talk about what ear to the ground feedback is. Once a month, we sit in a meeting with Jeff, and Jeff says, so this is the state of a ministry or a staff member or a program, and um, those are all great objectives. Uh, we really trust Jeff and the, the language that he's giving us, uh, but in the end, if your experience as a member, a tender of this church, is not what Jeff is telling us, that's there's a disconnect there, and so... 
It is our job and, and our interest and love to do is to connect with each and every one of you as much as we can uh, across our three sites to listen to any kind of feedback you want to give. Uh, we also try to have every once in a while a specific question that we are asking people um, and or talk about specific issues that would be of concern. And so on a Sunday morning or for coffee or you know within life groups or other kinds of ministry opportunities, uh, we are always wearing this hat of trying to hear something different or if there is something to hear different from what Jeff is reporting to us on a monthly meeting. And uh, it's a fun part of our job in some regards. And sometimes it's very challenging uh, because of some of the conversations that you do have. Yeah. And this this has really formalized over the years, hasn't it? Because I, I know in the early years, we, we just recognized that the primary narrative that you guys and gals as a board receive is the report that I provide. It's the version of reality that I'm providing. And not even that I'm being disingenuous about it, but I may not have all the facts. And so we realized in order to provide accurate governance and in order to have an accurate kind of reality testing of our community, we need more than just the narrative that I'm feeding you. And so we started to see the value in this ear to the ground. And, and nowadays, uh, in our monthly meetings, we've actually built this in to our regular routine. Talk about that a little bit. Um, specifically to, to Sunday mornings? Well, no, just in our, in our oh, elder in the, meetings. Sorry, meetings. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so we have a very, um, I'd say, organized monthly meeting. There's a, there's a, there's a, process we we take there's always a devotional we actually get together and eat certain things that we always do and uh one of the first things on our agenda is the feedback time um what are we hearing ear to the ground and so we go around the room and and uh we're not just looking for hey i talked to joe today and found out that uh you know his dog's not doing well like it's not that kind of feedback what we're looking for or a piece of information that deal with the church at large. Um, there can be specific stories. Hey, I heard that there was this event and and maybe tr- pretty traumatic for a teenager at a at an event or something that may speak to to larger concerns. But what we're looking for are or feeding back on are are statements or or parts of the vision and the mission and the values of the church. Um, sort of the. Uh, the bigger ideas that uh, we would be concerned about. So if we are hearing from two or three or four people on a Sunday morning uh, that things just aren't great or that we're hearing something about a particular ministry uh, and we start to put all those things together, if I'm hearing something and Reince and and Joan, whoever are hearing the different kinds of feedback about a particular issue, then you know that something's awry and and we can uh, enact change. Yeah, and so the 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 building of this ear to the ground agenda item into the monthly rhythm, and then frankly, and I love the way Jones worked with this, like the expectation that every single board member will have conversations to report back and say, hey, I met with these four or five people and here's the feedback they provided. I mean, this this sometimes takes 30 to 60 minutes to actually go around the table 
And it's provided valuable feedback and valuable accountability and valuable reality testing about the life of our church to compare to the narrative that I'm providing in my reporting. And so I say all of that in a conversation about accountability in this accountability season of performance reviews so that all of our members listening appreciate that you all have a vital role to play, not just in the annual affirmation of an elder at the AGM with a quick raise of the hands, but in the ongoing dialogue about the good, bad, and ugly of the pulse of our church. You have a valuable role to play. And as we wrap this up, Steve, just give your appeal, because I know that this is your heart, give your appeal to our members for the kinds of conversations that you and other board members are looking to have with them. I started off the podcast talking about, you know, what am I into and how did I get into this? Um, uh, I'm, a, I'm a question asker type of person um, of where we're headed the church to make sure that we are, are, are living up to loving God and loving others. And uh, ultimately, I, I want to share in that journey with people. Um, seek us out and talk to us. I, I know, and if you were at the, the last membership, or sorry, the last um, AGM I would have heard my heart's cry there about um, the fact that it's really difficult when when someone leaves the church but then doesn't talk to you about it. And and we as a group of seven people are here serving uh, you guys because uh, we want to make this place a representation of who Christ is. And... Um, and if we don't know what's going on or we can't provide feedback, uh, that's really difficult. We want to not just to listen. Sometimes uh, there are things that we can provide clarity for you on. Um, uh, Love Beyond Belief isn't just about groups or communities outside of our church, but it's about the communities and and the dealing with each other, even though we may even disagree at times. And so we are here to have those conversations so that we can talk to each other and build not just a, a church that is um, following Christ, but something that is strong, stronger together. I, I, I cannot echo uh, enough Steve's heart cry for conversations. These guys and gals who serve on this board are big boys and girls who love to face the truth, good, bad, or ugly, and more than that, love to talk church. They love to talk church. So regardless of what you're feeling, I would say in particular— if you're struggling with something and 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 can provide that valuable feedback, seek out an elder, especially now uh, we're about to nominate uh, two elders from our Welland location. We've never had elders from our Welland location. And so uh, regardless of what location you're from, seek out an elder from your location, either on a Sunday morning or get together for coffee or for a meeting in the evening, share your heart with them and provide your feedback for them as a vital contributor to the reality testing and the accountability that is inherent for us to provide as people who are ultimately accountable to God. Steve, thanks for joining us today, and uh, thanks everyone for uh, listening again and for continuing uh, on this journey together. It's quite an adventure. Pray for us uh, in this accountability season as we continue on in finding our way together. Take care.